One flew east, one flew west, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Kin Kesey, from his book of the same title. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping Kennedy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. This week we have a story that is coming from uh, basically um, what would probably be a prequel to Silver Linings Playbook. This is more based on a prequel to the movie than the book. Let's get into it. It was 4.30 in the morning when Pat woke up. It was the first morning of what would be an eight-month stay at Baltimore State Mental Hospital. Pat was only technically waking up because he didn't sleep much the previous night. He had mostly stared at the ceiling, wondering why he had been ordered to come here. He wasn't crazy. This place was for people with personality disorders, mental illness. Pat was simply a man who loved his wife and would do anything to get her back. Maybe he'd gotten a little violent when he walked in and found Nikki in the shower with one of her co-workers, but if what he'd done was really that wrong, he'd be in prison now. He didn't belong in a mental hospital. Not with these people. It was five in the morning, and Pat woke up, staring at the ceiling. He must have fallen asleep. He wondered how long he would have to be there. Surely his commitment was a mistake. He had been brought here at 5.30 the previous evening, a half an hour before they changed shifts. No one is going to be checking the records that close to getting off work. Perhaps someone on the first shift would see that he was not supposed to be here, and they'd be by to let him out. He imagined he'd be home by nine, and his mother would apologize for letting them take him. Pat assumed his father wouldn't act apologetic. His father wasn't one to show emotion, and especially not the kind of a man who would ever admit to making a mistake. But Pat would forgive him, and then go about his plan to win back Nikki. It was seven in the morning when Pat woke up to the sounds of people walking outside the door to his sparsely furnished room. It felt like a prison cell. But he knew that he was lucky. There was enough furniture to be comfortable, but not enough to comfort him. He wasn't a danger to himself. He wasn't a danger to anyone, after all. He'd never hurt anyone in his life. Well, maybe one person, but that person deserved it. In fact, most of his life, Pat had been the one to stop fights. If not for Pat, his father Patrizio would have been banned from Lincoln Field years earlier. Patrizio almost getting into fights with one of the visiting team's fans was almost as weekly of an occurrence during football season than football season itself. It was 7.30 in the morning, and Pat was already awake. He'd been awake for the last half an hour, and the whole night before that, except for a few times that he'd fallen asleep. But it didn't feel like he had slept for that long. It felt like he had been here, staring at the ceiling for even longer than he'd actually been here. Any minute now, he'd be getting a knock on his door, and the nightmare would be over. It was 8.07 in the morning when Pat heard a knock on his door. Mr. Solitano, a gentleman, 
male voice called from outside the room. Mr. Solitano, I'm coming in. The door opened, and a skinny middle-aged man dressed in dark blue scrubs walked in. Pat sat up and looked at the attendant and jumped up out of bed. Pat was still fully dressed from the night before. He had gotten to keep his own clothes, which furthered his conviction that he wasn't supposed to be here. When crazy people are committed, they're given hospital gowns or some kind of uniform indicating to staff that they're patients. No. Pat was still wearing everything he'd been wearing when he came home from the previous day and discovered something he couldn't quite remember what it was, but he knew it made him angry. Or was it sad? It didn't matter. Pat counted to himself in his head. One, two, three, four, five. This was a basic exercise Pat did sometimes to make sure his mind was functioning correctly. What day is it? He thought to himself. Yesterday was Tuesday. I went to sleep this morning. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yep. I'm not dreaming. I'm still coherent. Mr. Solitano, said the man as he sat down at the end of Pat's bed. Pat thought that was weird, he, because he himself was standing, because he was expecting to be walking towards the front office with this visitor right this moment. Mr. Solitano, the gentleman continued, I wondered if you were a man or a woman. The name on your door said Pat, and so I guessed, and well, I guessed right. Pat was in no mood for this gentleman's bright and sunny disposition. He knew that this bedside manner was probably intended to make the actual crazy patients more comfortable, but again, he wasn't supposed to be here. He wasn't crazy. Pat looked at the name tag on the gentleman's scrubs. Beth. He looked up at the gentleman's face. He was a black man with a buzz cut, much like his a little facial hair, but it was neatly groomed, and a confident face that had probably been working here for years. However, the one thing he did not look like was a Beth. Pat was about to ask Beth about his name, then he stopped. He felt guilty. It wasn't his place to question others' names. After all, Beth had been correct that Pat could have been a man or a woman. He did find it weird that a hospital would have put Pat on his door and not Patrick. None of this mattered. He was ready for Beth to check him out of his hospital. Pat, you mind if I call you Pat? said Beth. That's fine, replied Pat. Pat, Patty Pat Pat, said Beth. Pat glared and rolled his eyes. He was starting to get agitated. He was going to be released in a few minutes. No need to keep him any longer than necessary. There must be real patients that needed care. He could take care of himself. He wasn't crazy. He definitely wasn't supposed to be here. Pat. Short for Patrick Patty Cake. Pat, not Matt. Patty Pat Patterson, said Beth. Look, can we just go to the office, yelled Pat. Now why would you want to go to the office, said Beth. It's time for breakfast. This morning's options include Eggs Benny on a I'm not staying for breakfast, interrupted Pat. Beth drew back and looked hurt. Not staying for breakfast, asked Beth. I'm not staying for breakfast. It's not that I don't think some wonderful chef has prepared a gourmet breakfast for all the crazies to feast on, but I'm not staying for the day. 
I'm not supposed to be here, and you need to take me to check out. Check out, said Beth. How about this? I'll check you out, and you check me out. Pat didn't know if he was more confused or annoyed. This had to be one of the newer nurses who was trying too hard to bond with someone he assumed that was assumed to be crazy. Beth was probably a middle-aged career changer who had just finished training and had taken the talking to patients part of the course too literally. I'm not supposed to be here, yelled Pat. Of course you're not, said Beth. Then can we please just check me out? I have things I need to do, said Pat. You're supposed to be eating breakfast, said Beth. Pat leaned over to Beth and grabbed him by both his shoulders and started to shake him. Instead of being scared, Beth started laughing and grabbed Pat's shoulders and tried to shake the larger man back, which further enraged Pat, causing him to shake harder. It was 8.15 in the morning, when two orderlies ran into the room where Pat and Beth appeared to be almost but not quite fighting in what was a sloppy, violent dance. Danny, said the male orderly. He was a large man who ran over and pulled the men apart easily. The female orderly who accompanied him pulled off the name tag that said Beth and affixed it to her own chest. Danny, the real orderly Beth said, how many times... Do we have to tell you, you can't be acting like this? The two orderlies grabbed Danny's arms and started to walk him out of Pat's room. Danny turned over his shoulder to look at Pat. Sorry, Pat. I I tried, said Danny. Pat stood in total disbelief. He'd suspected something was off about Beth or Danny or whatever. It didn't matter. Pat ran after the group and tried to get one of the orderlies' attention. Excuse me, can I go? Pat yelled after them. We'll be back in a few minutes to take you to breakfast, Mr. Solitano. Just wait in your room, Beth said. No, no, you don't understand. I'm not supposed to be here, said Pat. And you cannot supposed to be here a few more minutes, and then you'll go to breakfast, Beth called back. Pat flopped back onto his bed and exhaled a sigh of frustration. This was absolutely ridiculous. He had been here for what felt like weeks, but was probably only 16 hours, and no one had discovered their mistake. If they could treat a fully competent person who was here by mistake with such disregard, imagine how they treated the people who were here and were too crazy to know what was going on. This is exactly why insane asylums get such bad raps in movies, Pat thought. As soon as he got out, he was going to write a letter to his congressman and get them to look into the treatment of patients. No, wait, before that, he was going to go by the school that Nikki worked at and try to talk to her. Once she was in love with him again, she'd be able to help him. Maybe she could get her students to write letters to the governor. It was 8.36 in the morning before anyone came by Pat's room again. A swift knock on the door was followed by the return of orderly Beth, who was holding a paper tray covered in foil. Mr. Solitano, I'm sorry about Danny. I know we said it wouldn't happen again last time, but he's pretty sneaky. 
last time. I don't know him, Pat said. Oh no, you don't remember your friend Danny? Said Beth with an air of concern in her voice. You guys usually get along so well. I haven't met him before. I haven't seen anyone since I got here last night, Pat said. Beth looked sad. It's okay, Patrick. By the way, you missed breakfast, so I brought you a tray you can eat when you're ready. Pat stood up and walked over to the desk that his breakfast had been placed on. He peeled back the foil, revealing a piece of toast, a tomato slice, and some scrambled eggs, or what looked like a small square sponge that was a color reminiscent of eggs. Pat picked up the tray and threw it against the wall. Beth, I know you're just doing your job, but do your job and let me out of here, Pat said, trying to mask his rage but failing miserably. Beth picked up the tray and set down a small paper cup that had several pills in it. I know it's hard being here, but this last week was one of your best since you got here. It's okay to be upset, said Beth. I, th- I think you're mistaken, said Pat. I just got here. I'm not supposed to be here. Excelsior, said Beth. Pat's body froze and all the rage-induced tension in his body exited as quickly as it had arrived. What was that? Pat asked. Excelsior, Beth repeated. You remember? He was the model we were working on. The words seemed familiar to Pat, but he must be remembering it from high school Latin or something. How could he have learned it here if he hadn't even been here long enough to learn anything? Ever upward, said Beth. You were doing so well and seemed to really like it. Excelsior, you were always getting better, improving. No, this couldn't be. Everything that Beth was saying felt like a conversation he'd had before, but it definitely hadn't been with Beth. He didn't know this woman. He was probably thinking about a conversation he had had with Nikki when they were dating, and in his state of sleep deprivation, It was making his moments feel like one he'd had before. Excelsior, that's really nice. I'll try to remember that, said Pat. But I really don't have time to be here. I have things I need to do. You want to go to the group session this morning? Asked Beth. No, I want to go home, said Pat. I know, said Beth. And we all want you to be able to go home. Everyone thinks we enjoy keeping people here just to be mean, but we really want you to get better. We just want you to be able to be the best self when you get back. I know I just flipped out a second ago, said Pat, and I'm sorry. I was just frustrated because I'm not supposed to be here. You might be supposed to be here, said Beth, but you are right now, and you need to try to make the most of it. Once Danny calms down, maybe you can go do some stuff outside this afternoon. It's a lovely summer day. Lovely summer day. The words sent a chill through Pat's spine. He started hearing faint singing, and he couldn't tell where it was coming from. My sherry amour, lovely as a summer day. No, Pat started to yell. 
Why are you playing that song? My cherry more distant as the Milky Way. What song? Asked Beth. Why would you guys play that song? Pat said, raising his voice. Pat, there's no music playing, said Beth. You're, you're playing Stevie Wonder, and it's really shitty thing for you to be doing right now. Pat's knees were growing weak, and moisture began to collect in Pat's eyes. They'd been playing that song every day since he'd gotten there. Every, every day? But he'd only been there a few hours, and yet they'd been playing the song every day. He knew it. He remembered hearing it before. He'd heard it the previous morning when he woke up in that very bed, the bed that he'd woken up in for the first time only four hours ago. That song was playing a week ago, when Danny had come over and asked Pat if he could switch rooms. No, that, that didn't happen. Pat was making up memories now. He needed to get some sleep. He needed to get home and get some sleep because he was now making up memories of this place he'd never been before, making up memories of people he didn't know. He was imagining this very real song that he knew that he had been hearing every morning with the imaginary facts about days that never happened. La 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 Pat tried to count in his head. Two, three, four. Wait, did I forget one? One, two, three. Surely he didn't forget one, or even if he did, he said two through four in sequence. He probably just skipped one in a hurry to check himself. It was a grounding exercise anyway. The important thing was that his mind was able to organize a simple sequence, and he'd gotten to the numbers that he remembered in order, which was all that mattered. He said two through four, and then remembered one. He could do it again real quick. One, two, three, four, five. Had he said five the first time? It felt like he had added two more numbers, one and five. Again, again, it didn't matter. The point was, he could count. That wasn't a little school test of his memory of numbers. It was simply a cognitive check to make sure he wasn't crazy. Six. Seven. Eight. Pat said out loud under his breath. His eyes were squinting, and he continued to count. Eleven. Twelve. Is everything okay, Pat? asked Beth. Fifteen. Sixteen. What are you counting? asked Beth. Pat opened his eyes. A single tear fell down the side of his face from his now bloodshot eyes. Pat's shoulders were lowered and he planted his feet firmly where he stood. Gravity pulled every part of his body straight down and it took every ounce of his strength for Pat to remain standing but he was frozen in his tracks. Twenty-two. Twenty-three. Twenty-four, said Pat stoically. Twenty-four. Weeks. Since I got here. All right, that's all for this week. Uh, Tune in next week for more fan fiction stories set in the Silver Linings Playbook and the Silver Linings Playbook Extended Universe. Until next time, 
We'll see you down the road. And Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah.